KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Michelle Durham. Twenty years ago, America was attacked by terrorists, and the Twin Towers fell in New York City. Now, twenty years is a long time. The events of September 11th, 2001, were a generational national trauma. And they altered the paths of the lives of just about everyone involved, including the first responders who showed up that day and the days and weeks after to help. Today on the podcast, the stories of three of those people. What were they doing on 9-11 and how did it change their lives? Brian McGuire is a retired New York City firefighter who responded on 9-11. Craig Murphy, deputy commissioner in the Philadelphia Fire Department, and 20 years ago, he was a member of Pennsylvania Task Force One when he was sent to New York City. And Frankie DeGrand, a retired chief gunner's mate in the United States Navy, who watched the smoke send up from the towers from his ship in New York Harbor. I first met Brian McGuire through my husband, who is a lieutenant in the Philadelphia Fire Department. And what struck me about Brian was his passion and his commitment for his fellow members of the FDNY, even all these years after his retirement. The morning of 9-11, myself and members of a firehouse, we worked part-time together. We were working in Newark, Penn Station. And as we were getting ready to work our job site, one of the members who was late getting to the site drove down to this site and told us that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. So we could not really see the World Trade Center from where we were until we walked down to a river. And then we could see across to Manhattan. And we saw that the first tower was smoking uh, pretty heavily with smoke and fire. Uh, We were standing there watching the first tower smoke, and we just thought that this was a small Cessna plane as one of the radio stations in New York City was reporting that they had received word it was a small plane. And we just thought uh, it was going to be a long, long week to put the fire out and help everybody who was injured get to the hospital. A few minutes later, we saw the second plane hit the building. So they jumped in their cars and they went to the nearest firehouse to them, which is in Staten Island. And of course the truck had already left to go to the World Trade Center. They gathered what they could and then a regular transit bus was commandeered and they got on that bus and they got to the ferry. I met Deputy Commissioner Craig Murphy following my graduation from the Philadelphia Fire Academy. Um, In the years post-graduation, which was honorary, I enrolled in FEMA's Pennsylvania Task Force One. And Chief Murphy was one of those who was so integral in teaching me how to cut through concrete and burn through steel and get through rebar and do confined collapse-based rescue. A lot happened during that day. Uh, at that, during that time, I was enrolled at um, Community College of Philadelphia, and uh, I was in class when the uh, when when I got the alert that um, a plane had hit 
uh, a ta- one of the uh, towers of the World Trade Center. So um, there were strict rules against having cell phones on in in, in class. But um, as soon as uh, as soon as I got that Vibra alert, I had to let the teacher, the instructor, know that you know there was a chance that I'd have to leave the class, and and, and I did. He was a, a then a firefighter at Rescue One and a member of Pennsylvania Task Force One. And it was so challenging uh, for then firefighter uh, Murphy because it, just even getting home to get his gear uh, to meet up with the task force in Harrisburg uh, was such a challenge because everybody was trying to just get home to their family. So finally, I got home, uh, got my gear, and then we headed out. And that's the first recollections I have uh, of that day was how hectic things were early on. And then um, once we uh, got to our point of departure in uh, Harrisburg Special Operations Center, uh, we went through the processes and then we got underway. Frankie DeGrand is from Delaware County. I actually met Frankie when I uh, deployed and embedded with the U.S. Navy on the Enterprise. um, And he was one of the gunner's mates in the bomb room of the aircraft carrier. And where he was 20 years ago was on a different ship. He was actually stationed in Norfolk, Virginia. I was on USS Briscoe and me and about four guys had to go to another ship that was in the shipyards to get some parts for our ship. And when uh, we got there, well, we heard on the news that uh, one of the towers were hit. And then we're finishing our parts and we heard that the second tower got hit. So then it was a mass recall. We ended up heading back to the space, but we we're doing about over a hundred miles an hour and passing state troopers and they're letting us go. We parked our cars and we sprinted about a mile and a half in our full gear and got back to the ship. As soon as we got back to the ship, within five minutes, uh, we were underway. They steamed up the coast. They were within eyeshot of Manhattan. Their job was to shoot down anyone else who was coming to attack the United States of America. Uh, I ran up to the bridge. I was a gunner on the bridge wing. And my captain came up to us and he just looked at me like Frankie. That's my home. And that's all he said until we pulled into New York Harbor. When the planes hit the towers, Craig Murphy, Frankie DeGrand, and Brian McGuire had jobs to do, and everyone went to work. Brian got to ground zero on the ferry with his colleagues in the New York City Fire Department. I remember when we docked, uh, we were formed into groups to go uh, walk up to the World Trade Center and just see what we started uh, having to be assigned to do. And uh, as soon as the little platform came down where we would get off the ferry and get into Manhattan, there was hundreds of civilians there waiting to escape And uh, they were all pressed up against the fence line, uh, getting over the fence in whatever way that they could to get into safety. That was probably a once in a lifetime thing to see. 
There's no other way to describe it. They parted like the Red Sea and let us come through because they knew that the, they knew we were there to help those that still needed our help and were unable to escape the World Trade Center area. And they were cheering and clapping for us. That was really a, a sight to see. We weren't expecting that at all. And uh, we proceeded to walk up the West Side Highway up to the World Trade Center. It was probably about a 15 minute walk. And the best way that I could ever describe it, it looked like we were in a major snowstorm. The dust was coming down so hard and so fast that we couldn't even see the street signs to figure out if we were on the right uh, road path or not to get to that area. We really couldn't see much more than our hand in front of our face. So once we got to the World Trade Center area, sitting right there was, was a bunch of ambulances and fire trucks. Uh, I remember a few of the ambulances were overturned from the collapse, laying on their side. And we actually found the Rescue 5 fire truck parked right there. And we were able to obtain some more gear. Once we did that, we regrouped. We found a few firefighters who were digging out a member, an FDNY member that was buried in the collapse. And what we did was while they were digging him out, we formed a human chain to pass him out to safety once he was put on the, the stretcher to get him out of that collapsed area. And there was probably a hundred to a few hundred firefighters on a line side by side and getting ready to pass him out once he was free from underneath the rubble. After we accomplished that goal, uh, we passed him out. He was still alive. It was a great thing to see. So we believed that there was going to be a lot more people that we would find throughout the day alive and get them to the hospitals. Right after the first and second tower collapsed, everybody who was the walking wounded was able to get out to an area where they would find any means of transportation to get them to a hospital. Some people walked to the ferry injured. The ferries shuttled them across to Staten Island, and it also shuttled people across to New Jersey. Throughout the day, we were given many tasks, uh, which really didn't have any positive outcome. Uh, but we were searching for anybody who was trapped, anybody who was alive, and unfortunately those who were still not alive, but we were able to find or bring home to their families. Craig Murphy made it to New York City with Pennsylvania Task Force One. His team set up their equipment and went to work. The part that sticks with me the most was um, the concrete dust covered everything. Once the transport, the, the closest they could go was probably about, you know, maybe two football fields away from the actual ground zero. And as you could imagine, it was it was still um, there were fires still going on at the site. Um, I mean, it had just happened less than 24 hours ago. And, you know, there was still a lot of um, debris floating around. Uh, burnt paper, um, and the smell of jet fuel. It, it looked like it snowed because of all the concrete dust. Everything was white. And, and, and there was burnt paper in the trees and, and then the, and the smell of jet fuel. As we were walking up, 
um, the group that um, PA Task Force One, we had split into two shifts. There was a day shift and the night shift, and I was on the day shift. And then as we were approaching, it was the little things. Like there was real small pieces of uh, of airplane debris, uh, like like very small, like a little riveted piece of, of the aircraft. Um, as we walked up, there was also um, an aircraft, one of the aircraft's wheels. Once we got on site, we had to set up a forward operations area. Our base of operations was at that Jacob Javits Center. Our forward operation area was at one financial center in the lobby of the um, the American Express building. So uh, all the windows, as you could imagine, there was everything was was shattered in that complex, and you basically walked up on. 16 acres of what previously, where previously had stood uh, two 110-story buildings that probably were about nine, seven or eight stories high now after the collapse. Once we got on scene, uh, we had to set up the forward base of operations, as I was saying, and then we had to uh, coordinate with um, the fire department in New York because obviously it was their scene and um, the, the task forces were just there to assist. So we got directions from them and then we, we, we commenced to, um, to start doing what we could to search areas or put out spot fires that we saw. Frankie DeGrand was on his ship in the harbor looking at New York City. We were miles out and we see the smoke coming. Uh, the towers already collapsed by the time we, were, we got there. We were in silence so probably a good 45 minutes and there was tears on a lot of people's faces and so I was still in shock probably uh, from watching to seeing just smoke covering the whole entire area. So it, it was just a shock feeling. Up next, how 9-11 changed the next 20 years of Craig, Brian, and Frankie's lives. KYW News Radio In-Depth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to KYW News Radio In-Depth. Craig Murphy went to ground zero as a firefighter. Today, he's first deputy commissioner of the Philadelphia Fire Department, and he doesn't think that would have happened without the events of 9-11. That changed my career path. Uh, That day changed my career path. Up until uh, when 9-11 happened, I had 14 years on the Philadelphia Philadelphia Fire Department, and I I was actually at um, community college to take my core courses to, to eventually transfer them to Temple for my physical therapist, my, my degree in physical therapy. And, you know, my goal was going to be do 20 years. And then, you know, I, I would have that piece of paper under my belt and I was going to pursue that, that lifestyle. I mean, that, that, you know, that, that was my goal. My goal was, you know, I love being a firefighter, but I just thought, you know, I would do this until I had enough time to, vested time to retire and then and then you know move on to the next 
the next phase of, 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 of my life. But that day changed everything. I, 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 up until that time, I had never taken the, um, the, uh, the officer's promotional exam because I was really happy being a firefighter at, uh, at Rescue One. To me, that was the pinnacle. Um, and, and, it, and things changed after that day. It, it, it did. You know, um, to be involved in an organization um, such as uh, Pennsylvania Task Force One, Philadelphia Fire Department, uh, FEMA Urban Search and Rescue. There, there's some people in in that system that had been mentors to me, and you know, uh, one of the big ones, one of the huge ones, who who now runs FEMA Urban Search and Rescue, the branch for uh, the federal government. You know, gave me some advice. He said, you know, you know, I now when I came back, I was like, I, I, I'm going to consider taking that test. And he was like, Craig, you you, you should you you should think. Uh, about what you can share with others. And it's not necessarily about that day, but more so about, you know, the knowledge, um, the training, and, and and being able to share that. And each step in rank, it, it allowed me to be able to share some of, some of those experiences. And then later on, like, you know, events like Katrina and Gustav and different, you know, natural disasters that we went to, it changed everything. Then it, that's when I started pursuing... Uh, you know, the track that brought me to where I am now. Someone described it to me once before as like the last line of defense. If not us, then who? And, um, you know, being able to share that, but also being able to make a difference to someone that you shared it with. And it's all about making a difference, but more importantly, it's all about passing it forward to the next, um, you know, to the next group of people that are going to come uh, and, and occupy these positions after you're done. So um, I'm glad that as, as, as a team, we were able and are able to make a difference. For Frankie DeGrand, 9-11 solidified what he was going to do with the rest of his life. Well, I made a Navy career. Uh, I've always put the nation first. Uh, from being around the world, knowing what other countries go through and the people in those countries live with. Uh, a lot of people don't respect the freedoms that we have here or really understand it until they go to another country. Um, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Um, I may be retired, but I still live by that oath. Brian McGuire spent weeks at Ground Zero and his actions on that day and the days after breathing in the dust from the World Trade Center would have a profound impact on his life. For weeks uh, after 9-11, many of us spent months down there. Uh, In the days following 9-11, we were told that the air was safe to breathe, even though we probably knew better, but we had a job to accomplish. So, and that was to still find anybody alive. We probably had hopes to finding people alive for up to two weeks. And then once that happened, uh, we knew it was gonna be a recovery mission, but that was still an important mission to bring uh, family members home so they could bury them. In about 2007, 2008, I, I started becoming sick uh, with chronic bronchitis. It was estimated about two to three times a year I would 
I would get sick with bronchitis. And up until 2012, I didn't think anything of it. I would uh, be on medical leave from the fire department, take, uh, take some medications to get me better. It would take about a week or two, and I was eager to get back into the firehouse. And it all started uh, the night of Hurricane Sandy. My company was in a building on 8th Avenue that the entire front wall collapsed while we were inside searching for people. And I took a bad feed or an inhalation exposure of all the brick and dust. I went to the fire department doctor because I was sick with bronchitis again. And I said, hey, doc, I got bronchitis again. You know, give me a Z-pack, put me back to work. I'll tough it out. And the doctor said to me, he's like, what do you mean you have bronchitis again? I said, doc, I have bronchitis all the time. He said, are you a World Trade Center responder? And I said, yes, not thinking anything of it. And he's like, "Mm, we have to talk. He explained to me that chronic bronchitis was a 9-11 ailment and that I needed to go um, have a few lung tests done to see how bad my lungs were. He sent me for a pulmonary function test, and I was excited because I had actually passed by 1%. And he told me, hey, I'll make you a deal. Go take a methylcholine test. And if you pass, I'll put you back to work right now. You never have to see me again. I shook his hand so fast at that deal because I was eager eager to get back to work. There was still a lot that needed to be done in New York City from uh, Hurricane Sandy. So uh, a few days later, I went and took the methylcholine exam. And unfortunately, um, I didn't pass. And I was medically retired from New York City Fire Department in April of 2013. And that was the end of my career. I joined a group called the Feel Good Foundation, and there are over 110,000 New York City, Pentagon, and Shanksville first responders that were exposed to chemicals from 9-11 attacks, uh, whether it was jet fuel, asbestos, concrete dust. And we, as a group, went down and fought for the 9-11 healthcare program. I joined a group in 2015, and we have continued to fight for health care and other benefits up until 2019 when the last portion of the 9-11 health care bill known as the victim's compensation fund was fully funded so even though i was retired i still had a fight to help those who came to help us that day there are over 68 cancers linked to the world trade center there is numerous uh, other non-cancerous ailments that people have today and are still getting sick with today. On 9-11 itself, there was over 2,800 members that were lost from the United States, whether it was civilians, police, fire, EMS, uh, New York City Fire Patrol lost members, and 9-11 did not stop killing. To this day, there's over 250 New York City firefighters that have died from 9-11 cancer. And uh, it's just very important to be aware that even though it's 20 years later, 9-11 is still killing. So if there was anybody who responded to 9-11 from this area or from any parts of the country that can hear this, please look into registering for the 9-11 healthcare program. It could save your life. Now, talking to these men about what they did on 9-11 and how it affected 
the rest of their lives meant everything to me, and I'll tell you why. The trust that they put in me to actually reveal what they did in these interviews, that's a trust that's earned, and I value that trust, and I respect them. As a journalist, we're very much like a first responder. We run two things that people run from. This is special to me because of the training I have. It was a gift for me to train with the Philadelphia Fire Department. It was a gift for me to put out fires in the city. And then all those years after graduation, the greater gift of going into special operations, which is very intensive, highly specialized. These men and women come from all over the state to train a couple times a month. And that was an honor for me. Having that background and that knowledge, I know what these gentlemen went through that day. Each one of these individuals, I was gifted to be in their lives for a while. And so I have a deep understanding of what it meant for them to try to go and save other people that they didn't even know. And in Brian and Craig's case, people they did know, people they did work with, their brothers and sisters underneath that pile. And it didn't matter to them what the cost was for them. They had a mission to do, and they were going to get every single person out. You never leave a man or woman behind. And they didn't. Thank you to Craig Murphy, Frankie DeGrand, and Brian McGuire for everything. I'm Michelle Durham. Thank you for listening to KYW News Radio in depth.